Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see your beautiful faces. Um, this Thanksgiving weekend, I know we've got a lot of our, our family and friends busy on the road and traveling, and um, my daughter's up in, jo- in Georgia, so we weren't, we didn't have her, we missed my, oh man, I missed my daughter this time, but yeah, so, but they're heading back today like many other people are, but um, it's always good, it's always good. You know, I'm so grateful, you know that Thanksgiving is not a, is not in a worldwide holiday, right? You know, so, so people like us South Africans that get together and we're like, yay, Thanksgiving. Look, I mean, food is always a good thing, but, um, you know, especially all you, we, have a, we, we get together and have a good, good amount of food and good, good tasty food and stuff like that. But it's, um, it's just a great blessing to, to really give a day aside that we are intentionally thankful. And we, we're grateful not only just to, I mean, most specifically to the Lord, of course, for so great a salvation that we have. Man, aren't you glad you're saved? Wow, born again. That means if Jesus comes and bursts through the clouds right now, whew, we're going to meet him up in the air. That's such a good thing to be grateful to, to know that our sins are forgiven, man. What a, I mean, the song we kicked off with, happy day, man. What a happy day that all my sins were washed away. Man, that is something to celebrate. That can put a, a bounce in your step, you know, just to, to think about those beautiful truths. Um, but, but, you know, it is, uh, you know, we're grateful for this country. I know that this America is facing some issues right now, but you know what? It's still an awesome country. And for those of us that come from other countries, we know. So, you guys, if you don't, if you don't get out of this country, maybe you should go on a trip sometime, but this country is still awesome. And uh, we're grateful for the privilege of living here. But we also know that we have a responsibility in this country to reach out to the world, and we are doing just that. So, Praise God. Amen. Amen. It's anyhow. Um, I just love those songs this morning. I was, just, I, I was just thinking, what declarations? Besides Happy Day, there was that, your goodness is running after me. That is a truth. Do you know that? God is not only a, a bad or judgment. We've been touching about this on God's character recently. But, I mean, it, it's like he is good. And his goodness is actually chasing you down. His goodness is running after me. I love that confession. Man, we'll sing of His goodness. We trust in our God. How about that next song? We trust in our God. His unfailing love. That God's love will never fail. His unfailing love. We will not be shaken. No matter what happens, we can live trusted and secure, trusting and secure in knowing that He loves us. Man, those are powerful truths to take home, right? Worthy is the Lamb. Who was slain. He sits on heaven's mercy seat. Not judgment seat. Mercy seat. And we'll get into some of that today. Because um, I'm carrying on with uh, victorious living, and, I, and, and uh, there is so much in this, in this, this, this message, in this, in this series that I want to unpack. And, um, and so we're gonna, we've been laying this foundation. Uh, recently, uh, you know, what is victorious living, um, really, and, and, and getting into some of the things. You know, what, it, you know, what is victorious living? Well, and we've touched on it's having and living in victory over all the curses. The, you know, the, the, the Deuteronomy 28 talks about curses um, from not abiding or not keeping the law, not being able to keep the law. But as we went into Galatians 3.13, says that we've been delivered. He was made a curse for us. Every single one of those curses we have been delivered from. That's great homework for you. If you don't know what those curses are, there's a whole bunch of them to go and look up. Look up Deuteronomy 28 and just look at all the curses. This is what Jesus has, past tense, delivered us from. Not only that, he has brought us in so that we may enjoy the blessing of Abraham. That is a whole, we can, we can spend time, we could spend weeks just unpacking what the blessing of Abraham is. But you and I get to step into the blessing of Abraham as children of Abraham, in a sense, because he is our father in the faith, and we get to participate in Jesus in this blessing of Abraham that's been given to us. So there's parts of, not only we're delivered from all these curses, we, we are stepping into the, the blessing, and we have stepped into the blessing, right? Um, we're more than a conqueror. I love that. We are, we are way, way more than a conqueror. How about this Romans 8, 35? I'm, I'm reading out of the ESV. Romans 8, verse 35 to 30. 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress 
persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are more than a conqueror. Why? Because you are loved. Praise God. Then it goes in verse 38. I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, I know that is a well-known passage, but just to soak in the absolute truth of that. So powerful, so powerful. So we've been made more than a conqueror, and we get to reign in life. Right in the first message that I started with, we touched on John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that you can have life more abundantly. Life and life more abundantly. Easy theology. God does not steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give us life more abundantly, and that word perisos, exceedingly, abundantly above, more abundantly, advantage, exceedingly, very high, beyond measure, more and superfluous. That is the kind of life that we have been given. That's the victorious life that you and I have access to. So when, when, um, when we unpack this now, that we've gone through this, this, this little, this this uh, foundation we spoke in the first week about God's love, and we see God's, God is absolutely, we always are founded in this, rooted and grounded in this absolute truth that God is love. It's His character. It is His nature. It is who He is. It's not something he do, he, He's done. It is the language He speaks. It is fundamental to be established in the love. If you don't get rooted and grounded in the, in the opportunity of God's love, you cannot understand what He's saying to you. Because you're listening in languages of law, you're listening in, in language of condemnation. Listen, guys, we all miss it. We all make mistakes. We saw that Jesus didn't condemn that woman caught in the act of adultery. He, the very character, the nature of God, he, he demonstrated how God does not hold condemnation against us. But you see, we hold condemnation against ourselves. Why? Why? Because we don't know this. We don't know that God is not a God that condemns. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. If you're saved, there is no condemnation. Jesus came to set us free from that. Jesus demonstrated us. But you know what we often do? And I mean, and this is just me, but you fall, you, you, you do make mistakes. I mean, and this is just me, all you all are perfect, and I'm preaching to myself here. But you fall, you make mistakes, and then you beat yourself up. You disqualify yourselves. I don't really deserve that. You don't know. You're talking, this is self-talk. This is self-language. Can you go to God? Well, you know what? I don't really deserve that. You think. Because you don't, you're not hearing his language of love. You're not hearing the Father. You're not seeing how he acted as we spoke about in those three parables in the first, in the first service. I, I mean, the first uh, part of this. And I, I really just don't have time to go into it. Um, and then we, we got into to God's fear. And, and fear, too many preachers try and scare the hell out of you. Literally. They literally try and scare people into, out of hell, and, and they scare people with, with language of hell and language of judgment. Now, there really is a hell. We should be aware of it, and there really is going to be a judgment day. But, but using fear as a technique is not God. It's the goodness and kindness of God, it says in Romans 2 verse 4, that leads us to make a change of mind, to leads us into repentance, coming to know a God that loves us, we want to fall in love with this God that makes us want to run towards Him, not run away from Him. That is an important deal. That is an important foundation. You've got to know that, yes, even when you fall, your Father does not change towards you. Not one bit. This has to be an established thing. In, this is a foundation of victorious living. 
If you want to live an abundant life and a life in victory, this has got to be an emotional, listen to me, reality. Because it's already a spiritual reality. It's already a spiritual, spiritual reality. That truth of what Jesus did, his, his position towards us has been set. The finished work, we did the whole communion. The finished work, what has been done. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. He did and completed his task. And as we, we've unpacked that many times before, but to dwell in that thing that we, he has done it all. There is nothing more that you can do. So to become an emotional reality where this is where we're heading on. This is where the series, we're going with the series. How do we get from here to here where this is an emotional reality? The emotional reality is that you should be able to wake up in peace. Feel peace. Irrespective of circumstances. Irrespective of who's the president of the USA or of China or of Russia or what wars or rumors of wars of even threat to your life. You can live in peace. Jesus said, I have come, and you can have life more abundantly, right? And he says, in this world, you will have tribulation, trouble, but take heart, I have overcome it. He has overcome it. He doesn't say you have to overcome it. He says he is. We're, that's why we're more than a conqueror, right? He does all the conquering. We step into him. You don't have to be a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You remember that old illustration? What is more than a conqueror? And there was that old illustration somebody gave us years ago and said, well, it's like that, that famous boxer when he gets into that final bout ring of the championship and there's a lot of money on the table, like millions of dollars, and he goes and he goes and he battles it out with the second contender and he does the rocky deal and he's all blazing and bleeding and he just makes it through and praise God, he's got, you know, ta-da-da-da, jumping up and down and all that, and he's, you know, can hardly see out of his eyes, he's face is all swollen and he goes home with that big old fat paycheck and he gives it to his wife and she says, thank you. She is more than a conqueror. She didn't have to get into the ring. More than a conqueror. We're more than conquerors. You know, when, 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 we, when we spoke about fear in the second week and, and third week, we spoke about both of these. But, but fearing God, fear has been such a negative situation. We, we've used fear so negatively. And, um, uh, and you know, uh, we, we said, I read this, I'm going to read it again. I know we don't have it on screen because it's out of the Living Bible and we don't have that, that version. Uh, at least, yes, I'm not sure if we can get it but for our projection. But um, it says, we need to have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. I love how it juxtaposes love and fear in the same sentences here. You see, when you know somebody loves you, you can't fear them in that negative phobia sense. When, when Jesus interpreted the word fear, he said it's reverential awe and respect. They, you know, we, we, we haven't even plumbed the depths of the fear of God yet because it's such a powerful force. As we said, it purges, it purges iniquity out of our hearts. It can purge us. It can help us. Because you know what? God is not your buddy. I'm going to leave it there for a second. Because, because God, is, God is awesome. He's our Father. But He is God. He is creator of heaven and earth. He's not your chum that you can choose to listen to or not listen to. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. And you choose to submit to his way. Now, listen, he loves you. Listen, you've got to put these two concepts together. He loves you passionately. He's done all these things. But he's not your buddy. Like you treat your pal that you can. That is not. Now, I'm not saying that we aren't, we aren't friends with God. There is scripture that says that we are friends with God, that he is our friends, that he lays down his life for his friends. Is he, he's our elder brother. But what I'm, I hope you hear what I'm saying. There is, a, there is a reverential awe for having an understanding that this is God. This is the one who created and spun the heavens into place. This is the one that has stooped down to be gracious to us. That word gracious is not grace. Gracious is to stoop down to bless somebody lesser than you. That is his name. He's actually, he's, one of his names is that he would be gracious, that he will stoop down. That's the kind of God he is. 
Anyhow, I, 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 we, he, has, he has given us these things. So, so we've, got to, we've got to get into this place where, where um, we have got to, I, I want to go into this one. Sorry, just give me a second here. Pull this up over here. We've got to get to a place where we absolutely have a, a, an honor and an awe for him and his name and his word. I think it is in Psalm, I never brought it, I, I never prepared the scripture, but I think it is in Psalm 138 where it says, God says, I have exalted my word above my name. I've exalted my word above my name. And, and we've got to this place where we understand, we, we associate the name of God and all of He is with His Word. And, and if we don't understand these foundational concepts I'm talking to you, we, we shy away from God's Word rather than running into His Word. And the truth is that we've got to foster a, a, a genuine, heartfelt desire, a passion for the Word of God. Now, if I call it the Bible, this is when I don't like calling it the Bible, because the word Bible has got a, it's, you know that the word Bible is not in the Bible. <laughs> it's not in Scripture. It's a Greek word, just to say the books, or book, the book, Biblos. There is a, but the Bible is, a, is Scripture, old and new, and you know, there's multiple covenants and the way we've divided it, and, and we can unpack that at some other stage. But, but, but to have a passion for God's Word, for His spoken Word, we, we touched on this last word, His Logos and His Rhema. Those are the two, two Greek words. Logos is, is more than, than just, uh, you, you know, like I said, the written Word of God. Logos has got more to do with His logic, His wisdom, His power, His character, his, all of it. His whole nature is compiled in the word Logos. It's not just the written Word of God that's in ink on a piece of paper. To, 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 to distinguish it from the Greek word rhema, rhema was often, is actually spoken words. So if we were having a conversation and you spoke words to somebody else in Greek, they would say, well, that was a rhema because it was literally spoken out into the air. So there is rhema. God is speaking His Word. What was the word spoken? I'm busy speaking words out there. That is a spoken word. But logos has got so much to do, much more to do. Like I said, it encapsulates all of who God is. And so when we develop this understanding, hold on a second, from Genesis to Revelation, the Word of God reveals this good God who loves you, who wants to bless you, who wants to benefit you, who wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper you, like Jen said. He is desiring. He's eager to prosper you. You know, I'm going to flash through it. I know those of you who are Bible college students or, Bible, or just students of the Bible know these scriptures very well. But, but, but listen to this. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Wow. It's a delight. Now, this is not a guilt tripping, but ask yourself the question, is the Word of God my delight? Do I delight in the Word? If you ask yourself some questions, and we could do exercises where, where like, you, you take the time. You see, that's the one commodity we're losing today, is we just don't often want to set aside and be quiet. But, but when you do, you can have life-transforming power. Ask yourself the question, is the law, is the Word is the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, is it delight? Or is it a legalistic, I should be doing it because the pastor told me? Or I should be doing it because I feel like I'm earning brownie points or gold stars from Jesus? Or I'm going to try and make it a worse thing yet, is make it a dead work. Try and earn something from God by doing something else. Do you know that you can make Bible reading a dead work? I know I did it for years. You can make it a dead work because you're not understanding. You're trying to earn. You see, what dead works are is trying to make God give you something by doing something else. See, God, I'm doing this. Now give me something. That's called a dead work. You cannot earn something God has already given you. 
but you can find out about it. Ding. Key. Find out about it. Hear about it. And when you find out, listen, he has given us his written word from Genesis to Revelation. It unpacks his character and nature. Where I don't know if I've got my, yeah, I do, yes. I forget. Every now and again, I pull out my Hoberman sphere. His word from Genesis to Revelation is connected. Now, this is only a three-dimensional model. God is way more than three-dimensional, by the way. I don't know how many dimensions are beyond this world, but it's a lot more than just three. We see the Word of God is so flat and so two-dimensionally, but it is so much deeper. And that's why, you, you know, we, we, have, we have a problem in understanding Word because we've got these biases that we have set in by tradition, which makes the Word of God to no effect, key. But we have these biases set by traditions or by desires or because somebody told us this or because I've decided that that is the way God is and nobody's going to tell me different. Yeah, you're not even going to let the Bible get in the way, like Andrew says, of what you believe. Because you see, there is things you have to be prepared to see beyond what you know. Because you will never, you and I will never see it all. But the problem is when you've decided, Jesus said you're blind. Remember that one? He says those who think they see are blind. What is he talking about? Because you've created a bias. You've created a channel with which to see. God is this way. I will only see him when he's like this. And so you don't see certain things and you do see other things. It's, it's, a, it's, it's actually a very powerful thing because when you get to know God as he is and his character and nature, and I touched on this, but I, I pray there's an impartation of understanding here. Because when you get to see, and, and as, as, as he's declared himself to be in his name, that is who he is. Who he is, how he's revealed himself in the life of Jesus. How Jesus dealt with people. How Jesus dealt with us, revealed how God, God deals with every one of us. His nature, which we touched on, his love. You see, you, can, you, you get to see that, listen, no matter how you currently read the word of God, Listen to this carefully. No matter how, how you currently see the Word of God, you've got to understand is there is more. But I'm not saying beyond Scripture. And, and you can understand that there's going to, even when it doesn't seem like it, and it's going to fly in the face of your traditions, or if you're going to like, what? And tilt your head like, are you sure? You can go back to defining it and and, and I understand that you, you've got to read it in line with his character and his nature. If anything doesn't make sense, as I've said so many times, with the finished work of the cross or with the life of Jesus, what Jesus taught, what Jesus said, with any one of his covenant names, then you're not understanding it correctly. You know what a bias, for example, is that sometimes we do? We read the Bible in pieces. And so because we read the Bible in these pieces, as I mentioned last week, silos, we get this very siloed understanding because we just read this parable or we just read this out of the Old Testament or we choose to take this old prophet, this prophet from, from, from here and then we take this out and this out. And so we have, a, we have a sort of a confusion of little pieces eventually because we're not, we're not seeing it as, as my Hoberman's fear. Can, these are all connected in one single piece. These are one revelation of the same God. But you can only read one piece at a time. You understand? You see that? You can only read this scripture here. <laughs> I know what he looks like. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. No, it's green here. He's got to be green. Salinas, I know. But, but you understand, there's more to him. There is more to him. And it all fits to head together in a cohesive whole understanding of who he is. But he's always love. No matter how you see him, he will always be love. Always. Well, I don't understand that, Shannon, because what about the time when he killed people? Good. 
you should have those questions. Because there's things that you will be seeking and asking questions till the day you see him. And I can tell you that a lot of those questions that I've had have been answered. But as I've said so many times before, glory to glory. Step at a time. Well, sometimes it's just a little bit each day. But why? Why would I even take a step each day? Because my delight is in the law of the Lord. My delight. Because on His Word, I meditate. I think about it. I consume it. I wonder about it. And you know, it still blows me away when I see something else. I'm like, oh my gosh. And the hair stands up on my hair. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I've just seen it. Seen something else. And I know I haven't seen it all, but I've just seen another piece of Him. We, 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 it, it gets with eschatology, we know the study of end times is the word eschatology. When people say, oh, well, God's going to do it this way, and God's going to do it that way. And it's like, eh, you, there's a lot of things that are there. And the problem is, if you see it, if you say, no, well, this is the way it is, I know because I'm, I've been ordained for 40 years, and I know. Because... Uh, yeah. You know, there, you know that there's scriptures that talk about God's protection, right? There, there's a lot. Psalm 91. You can, I used Psalm 91 when I was in the military, when I was in deployed. I mean, it's a powerful psalm that talks about God's protection in, in all kinds of, the arrow that flies by name, the t- pestilence that stalks in the night. I know what they call, they call mosquitoes. Those are the ones right there. <laughs> you know, but, but, but it, it's amazing. I mean, there is wonderful wonderful psalms of protection, or a word of, of how God's protection is. But you know that, do you know that there is persecution? Do you know that Jesus said that we would be persecuted? But you see what our tendency to do in different cultures, different, do it differently. We tend to go like, well, no, I'm not going to take that scripture. No, praise God, I've got protection. Nothing can harm me. Well, Paul was beaten how many times? Whipped how many times? Left for dead how many times? Stoned? Shipwrecked? Did he have the protection of God? Yes is the question. <laughs> you, see, you see, siloed understandings will say, oh, well, no, I go, bless God, I'm, my ship can't go underwater. Because I'm, because my God, I'm, and if my ship goes underwater, it's because I did something wrong. And no, no, no. You and I just have limited understanding that we've got to seek God to understand. And so I believe that's what Paul was um, talking about in, in, in um, Acts 20, 27, when he said, talks about that I have not, I've not kept the whole counsel of God from you. There is, there is this, this entirety of, of God and who He is that we've got to be open to. Amen. I think I've belabored that a little bit, but I hope you understand that there, there's this wholeness of who He is. He, but in Psalm 1, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. And then listen to the, the because He does this, this is the promise. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and that all that He does, He prospers. But do you see that there's actual conditions there? Not to earn from God, but it comes because you are exposing yourself and understanding how to walk. If you never dwelt in the Word of God, if you never enjoyed the light of its Word, as it says in Psalm 119, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you don't understand how, how He sends His Word and heals us, and you've not understood how to lay hold of healing, or all of these, these different scriptures that point to, to how we can actually lay hold of them, right? Joshua 1 verse 7. Do not turn from it. To, he's talking about his word. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, verse 8, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Sounds familiar, right? So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. Key. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. 
You don't just read the word to earn brownie points. You read the word to find out how to live. You read Proverbs because Proverbs has got good advice. You don't say, oh, well, I read three chapters of Proverbs. I know all about wisdom. Are you doing any of it? Have you actually put any of it into practice? Because he's showing that's the light of the word. When you open the word of God and have a passion for it, that brings light. But it's up to your choice. Now are you going to walk the path? Now that you see the path, will you actually walk on it? Now, careful, understand, I'm not earning anything from God. It's kind of like if we switched all these lights. Well, I should have done that as an illustration. Switch off all the lights in the auditorium. And I say, okay, walk around. Let's find out. You're going to bump into chairs or whatever the case is. Why? Was the chair, that's just the way to go. There's a way to walk past it, and God shows us the way. He's going to bring light. He's going to illuminate the way. He's going to show us the way because He is going to direct our paths so that we can prosper it. Remember, He says, meditate on a day and night, back in verse 8 of Joshua 1, that you may be careful to do all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, I don't know about you. Do you want to make your way prosperous? Do you want good success? Sure you do, hopefully. What is good success? Well, good success doesn't take you away from your kids all the time. Good success doesn't put you in an early grave because you're stressing, because of all the things that you... That is not... There is a very big difference between God's definition of success and our definition of success. And it comes to spiritual things too. Believe me, church growth... Things like that. What is good success? What is success? How you define success is very important. And I'm talking about not over here, because you can read a lot of business books and read a lot of business. You define success will determine how you're going to live your life. How you define success. And God's way of defining success is very different to ours, but that's not the message today. Sorry. Next time, or some other time. <laughs> but it is. There is a way of God. God says that He will make your way prosperous. You follow His way prosperous and good success. In, in Proverbs 4, My son, accept my words, for the years of your life may be many. Anybody want long life? Be attentive. Verse 20, verse 20 of the same chapter, Proverbs 4. Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Listen to this. Let them not escape from your sight. How many of you, I mean, just being real, have read something and then like, it's gone. Oh, what was that passage? I'm not just talking about memory, scripture of memory. I'm talking about, it's like, oh, what was that and you, and you have to work at it to get that revelation to switch back on in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? Now, if you've never had the Word of God be alive to you, let me give you a key. You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. He will illuminate. He is the Allah's comforter. He will teach us and show us and bring all things to our life. If you've never been filled and understood and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need Him because He is your teacher. But I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm talking about the, be attentive. It says, let them not escape from your sight. It sounds a lot like Psalm 1 and Joshua 1, where he says, I meditate on it day and night. Now, I mean, you could go overboard to an extreme and say, well, that means I can't work because all I've got to be doing is thinking about Scripture. That's not what it's saying. He's saying you still got to breathe, you still got to chew, you still got to eat, you still got to deal with your kids and their teenage tantrums or whatever they are. You've got, we don't have that, no. <laughs> you've, got, you've got life to live. But the point is that if you, if you take hold of a scripture and you're going to meditate on it, you're going to, you meditate in it, you build, there, there is an intentionality to not let it out of your sight. But you know, the best way to, the, <laughs> no, I could go to get lost in this, but you, in one sense, if, if, the, if, the, if the Spirit of God illuminates a scripture you to you, camp out there for a while. Don't keep reading 10,000 scriptures and 14 different messages. Camp out. What is the Spirit of God saying to you there? Don't let it out of your sight. 
we'll get more into this later in the series. Don't let them escape from yourself. And then he says this, keep them within your heart. And the ESV says that, I think New King James and King James say, keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That is not your head. The heart is your belief system. Where you, sorry, the place where your belief system is formed. It's what you hold. It's, your, it's how you program your being. You have a set program. We all do. And it is reprogrammable. That's the good news. No matter where you program it, and you can be a believer like I'm talking about and not understand. You've not been informed. You've not been taught right. And you've got a program about seeing God and seeing prosperity and seeing things like that. But it can be reprogrammed, keeping it in your eyes and in the midst of your heart, right? He says, then this, verse 22, for they are, he's talking about the word still, they are life. They are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The word. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. Forever, O Lord. Psalm 119 verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's it's a non-changing. It's firmly fixed forever. Beyond this age, people. His word is that stable, that sure, that trustworthy, never changing. Verse 93 of that same book, I mean, of Psalm 119. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I will never forgive, I forget your precepts, because by them you have given me life. What are we talking about? Victorious life, abundant life. By his word, he has given us life. Verse 98, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Now that's interesting. Think about that one for a while. What does that mean? That means you can, whatever your enemy might be, whatever the the problem is that you're facing, his The wisdom that you derive from his ways, his perspective, his paradigm. There is a matrix. Don't go into that too deeply. But there is a matrix of reality. There is the truth. And but we're living in this fake matrix. We're living in a perception of reality. Each one of us live in our own perception of reality. You and I don't see things perfectly clearly. There is only one truth. There is only one truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We live, and I tell you what, that's a revelation to some of you. Because the way you see it is not the way it is. I've said this in different ways, different times, but it's a powerful thing to realize. But if he makes you wiser than your enemies, then he gives you, because you're wiser, you know how to deal with the situation. So what happens then? Let's put this down practically again. What happens then if you don't read his word? What happens then if you don't, haven't kept it in the center of your heart, in the midst of your heart? If you haven't put it in your eyes? What happens when an enemy comes up? How do you deal with it? You can't always call the pastor. But I tell you what, that's where the body does come in handy because that's where you get together with life groups and you talk about one another and you say, hey, guys, I'm facing this situation. How many of you have learned something from a life group that helped you through a situation? (coughs) Why? Because they told you something that you hadn't learned yet. They gave you an information. They gave you a perspective. They gave you a paradigm. Let's go back to my little illustration here. Here you've been seeing it a certain way. You're facing an enemy of sorts. You don't know how to work your way through it. And somebody in your life group, your life group leader, or somebody that just shares by the Spirit of God or gives you a word of wisdom. Heard of that gift of the Spirit? Word of wisdom. And suddenly you see something. You go, oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. I, I know how to negotiate that issue now. I know how to walk through that. Why? Because the word of God came. Now it came there in my illustration. It just came through a life group. But it can come from a message like today. It can come from your life group leader. 
or from somebody or from a word of wisdom. But the question is, you see, if you're, you can have, that's a whole other topic we can touch on, but when you have a heart, a heart that is hardened or calloused over, that just means in, your, your heart can always be softened again. So I've had my heart hardened in different areas in different times. And, and I'm still working on parts of my own heart because some things, the seed just, does, it just doesn't get in. It takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of repentance. It takes a bit of humility. But His Word will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold if you know the parable of the sower that we get into you. So your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A famous one, but is it? it I mean, I know it's real quiet here, guys. Sorry, sorry. I hope, I'm, I hope that, that you see. There, there's, a, there's a delight here. There's a delight here because this can make you and give you what you need. For every situation. There's verse 130, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. The unfolding of your word. I love that. Kind of like my little ball here. It can unfold. You can unpack it. You know, I, I don't want to go too deeply into this, but as I said, the logos of God declares who he is. From beginning to end, and it is a it obviously because it only paints pictures of God. God doesn't fit into a book. The book can only describe a God that's greater than the universe. He is a spirit, and all of His wisdom. But I love that. I love the passage, and, and we we don't have time to unpack it today because it really is rich and rich to mine. But I want to point it out. You know that. Um, in, in Exodus 33 and Exodus 34, um, Moses comes to God, and I mean, they're having a discourse, and I'm not going to set the tone for the place for you, but basically, Moses is, is, you know, says, God, okay, we're not going to, don't wipe out Israel. I know they've ticked you off, and blah, 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 and he goes into this whole thing about negotiating with God and so on, and then he says, okay, I want to see your glory. He asks to see the glory of God. Now, I don't know what Moses expected to see. Do you know that, I'm going to say this a slightly different way to what I've already said a few different times today. If you don't see it or you're expecting it to see something differently, you can miss it. It's like I mentioned earlier about persecution and the healing of God. Those both are true. We can suffer persecution for the word's sake. We can suffer persecution because we're in the, if they, in the, in the end of times, the, 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 the beginning of sorrows. It says that believers will suffer persecution. There's, other, you can, there's lots of reasons that we can legitimately suffer persecution. But you know that if you expect to see something in a certain way and it doesn't happen, then you can miss it. Just like many people miss Jesus when he was in the flesh because their hearts were hardened. How? Because Scripture spoke about a triumphant coming king, and it spoke about a suffering servant. A triumphant king and a suffering servant are two different things. But you know what we can do? Let's bury Isaiah 53. Let's forget about the suffering servant, the one who was marred, the one who we couldn't even tell his face, who was going to take all the punishment. Let's forget it. Let's delete that one. What they wanted was a king. Do you know that there's a place that they wanted to grab Jesus by force and make him king? Why? Because they wanted the Messiah to take over. They wanted him to be king of Israel. They wanted him to be the, the one that they saw and wanted to see in Scripture. The part of Scripture they wanted to see. They just didn't understand at the time he first had to come as a suffering servant to do the work that he needed to do. And when he came back his second time, he would come as the triumphant king. But if when Jesus showed up, no matter, he could do the miracles, he could do this, he could do the miracles, only he can be all of those many prophecies. Then there's so many prophecies that if you, they knew the Old Testament and saw the prophecies, there's just no question that it was him. But they were blind to it. They were callous to it. They were hardened to it. Why? 
because they didn't want to see both of those truths. They wanted the one that they thought was. I want the victorious leader to kick the Romans out of here. I want to rule and reign this earth. I want you to set up your kingdom, and I want that one right now. Do you understand how we can do the same? We can do exactly the same because we've decided to see it certain ways. So we embrace the Word of God. But in, in, in Isaiah, I'm going to try and wrap up here quickly just to, to, to end today's um, time together. But, but in, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses asks, and he says, look, show me your glory. And I, and I don't know what he expected. Maybe, maybe he expected something massive, maybe some certain great power that was going to come. I don't know what he expected. It's like, man, I'm ready. He's been, you know, he'd been up the mountain once before, and now he was going to see his glory. I want to, you know, I want to see God. I mean, because he had broken the first two tablets, and he was ticked off as well, and he was all upset. And he was like, let's see your glory. Boom. You know, some lightning bolt earthquake. I don't know. And God says this. In Exodus 33, he says in verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name. Wow. Moses asked to see his glory, and he says, okay. He says, I will let my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim my name. There is so much here that, that we, we can't really unpack. But, I mean, when he gets into actually declaring, God actually declares who he is. He declares his name. He is, his glory is in who he is. And it's just like that song we sung. His goodness, his goodness is his glory. God is gooder than we can imagine. He is gooder than he can imagine. Remember, I'm going to go back to the foundation. Guys, you realize that I am building on these last messages. Remember, he is love. He is always love. Always love. He is always willing to show. He is always willing to show you compassion. And, and he will always give you the gift of no condemnation. We've spoken about his benefits so many times. We've, we we, we, we Break down the communion. So please understand, when we, when we talk about this, there, there is the wholeness of, of approaching of, of where we're going with the series. Where we, where, what we're unpacking here is to enjoy an abundant and a victorious Christian life, a victorious life in Jesus. You have to nurture a passion for His Word. There are so many benefits to it. You've got to work. Well, what about all these other? No, I'm talking about his word. Go and check out. Listen to it. Read the scriptures that I've, that I've given you today. Listen to it again. Whatever it is, but develop a passion for his word. Ask the Holy Spirit. Whenever you sit down with the word of God, I encourage you, pray in the spirit. If you're filled with the spirit and know how to pray in the spirit, Pray in the Spirit for a while, five minutes, ten minutes if you have the time, and if, you, if you do, and just ask the Holy Spirit, just say, Lord, open my eyes, help me see, teach me, train me. You don't, I, I'm not talking about you have to be Bible school, called, uh, this, you know, don't disqualify yourself. And please, oh please, don't say, I don't have that intellect, I don't understand. If you don't understand the Bible, there's many translations that you can enter into, but I'm telling you one thing. That no matter where you're coming into with God's word, no matter where you're approaching it from, he will straighten your way. If you've got a mental issue, if you've got a, if you've been, whether your mental issue was something you were born with, whether you've killed a few brain cells with some substance abuse, I know, yeah, some of you look at me with those holy eyes. <laughs> it's okay. What I'm telling you, I'm telling you is that God's word will bring, will make a way into your heart. If you, but don't, this is how you, this is how you, you absolve yourself. You, you believe a lie and says, oh, you can't read the Bible. And just like that, the enemy diverts you. 
Just like that, he keeps you from a source of truth that can absolutely bless you, you, your family, your children, and many people around you. So please, don't do that. You are more than qualified. God has got you in mind. He has given you this. But you allow him to develop this passion. Amen? Let's pray together. And let's just open our hearts, if you will. Close your eyes and just open your hearts. That's a decision that you will make today. Just say, Lord, no matter what I am and what I know about God's word, I open my heart to hear from you. I choose to delight in your word. Lord, I desire to make that a passion in my heart. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, you are the helper. So thank you for helping me. I choose to let go of any misbeliefs, unbeliefs, hardness of heart. And I invite you in, Lord, because you are good. And you don't condemn. And you will chase me down with goodness. And you will love me. And you will make me more than a conqueror. I choose that path. I choose that way. And Lord, thank you. I thank you. That as your word makes its way into our hearts, grace comes alive. And enables us to live in your way that which we have seen. Your grace enables us to speak the truth, to live the truth, to walk in the light of truth. And so we yield ourselves to your grace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I will, I will carry on this. Um, um, I will carry on there and we, at, from, from where we are because there's, some, there's still things that I just love to unpack that I feel in my heart. But don't let the enemy lie to you. Just be open to it and don't have to, please don't feel like you've got to jump into the Bible and read 150 chapters. Just ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and start somewhere. Start somewhere and follow His, follow a desire. Follow a desire. Just allow Him to nurture that. Let that, let that grow. If it's slowly, that's okay. But allow that to become a passion. Amen. Amen. If you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're watching online or, or you're here, please, won't you come up and speak to one of our prayer counselors? All you need to do is call out to the name of the Lord. If you're online, you can just text the word prayer to our, our texting church number. But also, all you need to do is for, with a heartfelt cry, call out to the Lord and He will meet you where you're at. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen.